It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2023 AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am DraftKings Picks and Preview and Ownership Plus, the final betting card, the weather, the one and done. I'll hear for you play in the DraftKings Listeners League. There's a thousand spots remaining as of right now. Wednesday afternoon is when spots start flying off the shelves, so you may as well go get yours right now. Actually, go get three while you're at it. Link is down in the description, fantasynational.com slash mayo for all the stats, all the tools, help making you make both your lineups and decisions better. Again, fantasynational.com slash mayo. Tambo, back in the studio. Every time you're not in studio, you win 25K apparently, so congratulations. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you. I almost called in sick again today. That's another another good week. It's definitely turned into a thing. I am determined though, Pat. I've said it since last season during NFL. Actually, last season during golf, I said this, that I'm determined to make it a week where we do this show and have good picks and win all the money. So we'll, we'll get there. It's a long season ahead. Here's the Pebble Beach program, but after that, it's a, a really good run of events. Yeah, we're, we're getting into the real events, yeah. which is nice. Although this one is really complicated to try to figure. Maybe you don't think so, but I'm looking at it. I'm like, I, I have an idea of what I want to do. And then I'm like, I don't know if I feel so great about this. <laughs> yeah, it does feel kind of like that. Again, when you get the rotation in there, the 54-hole cut, there's more strategies to it. We're going to talk weather in a second, of course. And then you start looking at, wait a minute, if this weather affects this this rotation, how do I even build a lineup? Do I just leave all the money on the table? What, what do I do here? So it's definitely a lot more strategy to it than some might think. And that's where we can try and pick up an edge. Uh, showdown shows on Mayo Media Network, powered by RunPureSports.com every Thursday and Friday. And then all of a sudden... Are you on the Run Pure premium show? I'm not. No, I do the round two, round three. So you saved all the good stuff for yourself for something. Actually, round two, round three, we crushed. Uh, we had members go off. The logos were all at the top. We absolutely smashed. I broke even on both those days on decent amount of buy-ins. And I was like, come on, give me a breakthrough. And then I got the birthday breakthrough for the birthday bucks. So that was nice. The, the Sunday one's always more money too, isn't it? It was. I mean, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. It just depends on the event. Majors and stuff, usually you'll see it go really big. But this week they changed it to 100K with 25K to second. I was thankful that the guy in first blew me out by like 20 points because, you know, otherwise it sucks. It's a $75,000 gap between first and second. I wanted to talk a little bit about last week because stacking the courses ended up becoming a thing. We actually just talked about the numbers a little bit that there wasn't really any margin difference between whatever side that you played. Like you said, to look at the, like, obviously the South course played harder during the wind at Torrey Pines, but it's the harder course. We knew that was going to happen. If you look at the gap from day one to day two, between the two courses, the North actually played more difficult. Yeah, it was like 3.6 or 3.8. It was like a 0.2 difference. But it was like a marginal difference. Very marginal, It didn't matter. Yeah. 
So. 100% agree there. And and then, yeah, to the other side of it was like the split ended up being, I think, uh, with the guys that got through the cut, it ended up being like 40-35 or something along those lines because of 65 and ties back then. This week, of course, 60 plus ties. But uh, that, I think there was 75 that made the cut and it was like a 40-35 split. Homa getting the win. Well, you know, some will say that's the angle, but then you go back to last year, like when JT won at the PGA Championship, the other wave crushed. He was just the only guy <laughs> that came through. And then at the end, got the win when Cam Young and Mito and guys like that were right there and, and took it away from Willie Z, of course, in the end. But yeah, it's the way it goes sometimes. It's worth stacking still, I believe. I just tell people this all the time, like on any given week. Again, our guy Raza, the best at doing like the stat stacks, if you will, right? The, the guys off the tee, the best on approach. All bad putters sometimes, just jokingly, but just in general, it does at least make sense in a sport where stacking isn't key or something that you stick with for correlation, an individual sport. But it is a way to naturally get off the chalk and get different. And I believe you're going to talk about that when we get into this week is a lot of the best guys are in the same rotation because they want to see them play Pebble on Saturday. We had it last week with being on the sto- the south course with all the cameras and the stats. We could see that again here this week. Well, it wasn't as big of a factor last week because they did do a pretty good job of splitting up like the top 10 guys, like five in one wave, five in the other wave, to have guys show yeah. both the days. But this week it's, yeah. Well, and mainly it's because based on who you're paired with is an amateur as well. Like they want to get the most famous people on TV on Saturday. Yeah. And most of the most famous people are paired up with the best players. Macklemore, Macklemore? Macklemore, Macklemore. <laughs> did, did not realize he had a name so nice you had to say it twice, but... People used to go back to one name like Prince or something. He, he's going double down on the same name. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm not a big fan of the Pro-Am stuff anyway, but it, in general, it's, again, it's another tournament we can win money at, so that's all I care about. Well, well maybe this tournament will be so successful that oh, maybe they'll make celebrity pro teams and they can start a league that way. Because I've heard, I mean, my son just left with my wife to go on a little trip. My youngest son, and he's, he's only two, but he did tell me, Daddy, you know what would make me really happy? <laughs> if I could watch Fire GC this weekend play oh, on the Live Tour. <laughs> he's, he's against Bubba's son then. He's not a Four Aces fan. No, he's not a Four Aces guy. All right, well, live and learn. He'll see. D- Dallas Cowboys, New York Yankees. <laughs> Four aces. Four aces. Yeah. <laughs> Slide them in. Oh, man. The bets for the week, I have seven bets in right now. Okay. And it's the least amount of money I've bet on a golf tournament <laughs> in some time. So I have nothing right now less than 65 to 1. Let's say long shot season. Here we go. So I'll explain this in a second. So I have Ben Griffin, 65. David Lipsky and Nick Hardy, both at 75. Lonto Griffin, who I've really come around to this week, at 80 to 1. He's actually probably my favorite of the bets. Now, very risky, obviously, coming off the back surgery, but everyone's just looking to jam Seamus Power in at 20 to 1. Like, Lonto's basically the same guy. Hmm. So, you get him for, you inherit all the injury risk that goes along with it, but if they have to win the tournament, too. He was okay last week. He was okay. Yeah. That's what gave me the confidence to actually play him. Uh, the Bombs, I got Troy Merritt at 100 to 1, Ben Taylor, 125 with top five, Carl Wan, 200 to 1. He's, he's down to like 130 now, uh, but I have him uh, with top five as well. I played a Spieth and DJ boosted double. That's at 93 to one. Uh, and for the one and done, I went with Mav McNeely. Jeff went with Seamus Power and Cust went with Justin Rose. Oh. So that, that's the official card for the week. Although we can make some ads to that. I'm really circling the drains on like Taylor Moore, Garrick Higo, all guys who are, I mean, at this point, I think that Taylor Moore ended up at like 50 to one. I probably don't want to do that, but I think the he goes to like 150 or something crazy like that. It's just funny to look at it. Like you think, oh man, that's seven bets. It's so many guys. It's less investment. Like I try to do all these to win somewhere between 2,000, 2,500 bucks mm-hmm. a pop, like as a, the payout on them. So in order to do that, think about if you bet Jordan Spieth, right? 
you'd have to bet 250 bucks at 10 to 1 to win 2500 bucks I've bet less than 200 bucks on all these guys to win the same amount of money. <laughs> yeah. And think about all the people that do that with Jordan Spieth and then still add seven more yeah. guys. And then when Spieth wins, they go bang. Oh, 12 to one winner. No, you got like three to one or two to one because you bet everybody else. So, yeah. and like, I still have room. Like if I do want to say, you know what? Screw it. I do like Seamus power. I could add a 20 to one guy here. No problem. But I think what I want to do is save it for the weekend, save it for Saturday, save it for Friday, save it for Sunday morning. Cause looking at the weather, not that I don't, think it's going to make like a huge factor but there's two critical points of wind coming this week the biggest wind that we're seeing right now and again we're five days out by the time we get to saturday it might not be there so grain of salt kind of thing but starting basically at 1 p.m on saturday 23 mile per hour wind gusts into 28 mile per hour wind gusts for the back half like basically 75 percent of the round of those who start at like 10 p 10 a.m pacific time now, is that going to be a problem at Monterey Point? Or I keep saying Monterey Point. Monterey Peninsula mm-hmm. uh, and Spyglass. Maybe, but they're not quite as coastal. Like, the one that can get difficult is Pebble Beach. Like, they're all kind of easy courses, but if you start adding wind and weather to it, Pebble's the one that generally gets a lot tougher, historically gets a lot tougher. So if the wind hits that course on a certain segment on Saturday, here's the problem. Who is going to be playing Pebble Beach in that direct window? Well, I can tell you it is Matthew Fitzpatrick, Jordan Spieth, and Victor Hovland. And essentially every good player in this tournament that you will want to play outside of Tom Hoagie, Andrew Putnam, and Justin Rose. Those are the three that aren't there on Saturday. It may have no effect. It may have great effect. And then looking at Sunday... It's not like it's not as windy as Saturday afternoon, but you're getting constant like 15 up to 20 all day long at Pebble Beach when everyone is playing there, which could mean like really crazy shit happens on Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, it could make for a good finish to the tournament for sure. This could mean nothing. Yeah, I think it's nothing. Okay. That's my opinion right now. Again, I think there's always value to stacking because, like I said, you'll naturally get contrarian in the sense that if you don't go that way or if you have five guys on whatever you take as the easiest course or setup based on wind and you, however you want to take an angle, I'm okay with it. I just personally don't see as much with it. And also, I believe, I don't know if I'm fully correct on this, you can check it yourself too, but like if, if Spieth goes off on T1 on Saturday at 10.09 a.m., is that really going to affect him by the time he gets to one o'clock in the afternoon if the winds even still pick up then i would think so yeah these are super long rounds remember yeah i mean he's halfway through it although i'm saying is he gonna bury his whole tournament behind he he is not halfway through it 11 i mean it'd be three hours six hour rounds i I don't know that's why i think it's nothing if he okay he gets four hours of the wind and you run on you you don't run good on this one then I don't think it buries this whole tournament after two and a half days of playing. What I'm kind of with you. What I do think that it presents the opportunity is if one of these guys is out way ahead, not like way ahead, but like two, three strokes going into the back on Pebble on Saturday, and you see someone either making a run or is already in the clubhouse who has played the other courses, that is three strokes behind, four strokes behind, and there's just a giant number on them because Victor Hovland is winning or Spieth is winning, that it might present a really nice live bet opportunity. Live bet, I like the call. The other thing I was going to say, though, where I thought you were going with it was going to disagree, was that it's also the same as last week, you know, in a different sense of they're all, it's the wind is still on all the courses. It's just that it sucks on Pebble because Pebble's the harder course. But it's not only that Pebble is the harder course because it's not substantially harder right. than the other two courses. I was just going to say that. Yeah. But 
it plays harder when the elements are bad For compared sure. to the other two courses. For sure. So the gap that we just talked about where the North and South played basically the same relative to what they had played the day before, I don't think that's going to be the case in wind. I think that Monterey and Spyglass will continue to play not as easy as they had played, but like marginally harder where Pebble can play way harder. Agreed, all of it, but all I was going to say is the three names you mentioned, the key ones being Spieth, Hovland, and Fitzpatrick are also the equivalent of Rom and but, JT but and that, guys like that. That's that the hardest through. part to figure out this week because they're not those guys. They're they're In this field, they are those Ver- guys. Versus the rest of the field, yes, but yeah. versus overall talent, they're not. Yeah, they're, they're more than capable to me. It's why I think it's nothing of battling through the last three to four hours of their round when they've already played two full days, not in wind. Okay. So that's how I would look at it. I, I just don't see it. Again, if you want to stack, and I probably will, like I always look at stacks and see how it shakes out just to make unique lineups and get it set up that way. But it's not like I'm saying this weather angle, we have to avoid these guys that are playing late on Saturday. Therefore, let's do this. I'm, I'm not doing that. If I'm playing, let's say, 50 lineups this week, I'm allocating 10 to the Hoagie Putnam Rose stack. Yeah, I'll, I think I'll, don- I'll donk off 20% of my lineup to see if that works. I was just going to say too, though, I actually think there's more value to that in a different sense than this is just an added bonus if you believe yeah, it's yeah. also because of the weather. But it, it does set up similar to last week where the 6K range is still trash. And if you saw last week, what a lot of the optimals were, were like the 3, 9K, 3, 7K. The 7K range is loaded. The 9K guys are guys that you can play. You mentioned Hoagie, Power, Putnam, McNeely, even Kuchar, Old Man Kuchar. Like there's guys that you could play if you don't, you don't have to love Fitzpatrick, Hovland, and Spieth up top. You could just skip that. And I know Hoagie still counts as 10K, but my point being, you could get away with some of these balanced builds, Pat, where you just don't go down to the 6K range and use those guys there. I went back and looked at all the DraftKings trends from this tournament. The lineup that you just gave doesn't normally hit here. The good players tend to always really play well in this tournament. Not necessarily win, but they're going to be inside the top 10 of DraftKings scoring. And then you just always have a bunch of random dudes at from like 7,100 and below. And the winning lineups are usually like 96 and above. One guy in the middle and then three super cheap guys. Yeah, I wouldn't take them out of your pool, I'm saying. But again, too, it also depends on the tournament you're playing in. And, and that... Sample size you got has to be what? Six years? One, two, three, four, five years. Five years, And yeah. there's one year where it, it did work out relatively balanced. Uh, but just looking at it, like yeah. the, the good players always tend, not always, but historically perform so much better because the gap between the good players and the bad players is so pronounced at this tournament. Yeah, that's for certain something to look at, but it's also one thing that I scoff at or, or laugh at when people send me like, by the way, the 10-9-8-8-7-7 always does well here. Like, who gives a shit? It's from five-year sample you're looking at. It has nothing to do with what's going to happen this week, this event, this time around, weather factors, strength of field factors, who knows what? So it's good. It's interesting. I'm just saying like, again, I don't think you should take 6K guys out of your pool. We'll have some names. I know last week you liked Eric Barnes. He switched from Cole to Barnes. Well, remember we did Jabroni of the Week with Eric Cole. Last week, Jabroni of the Week was Eric Barnes. That was great. And I liked him. And he was actually in that lineup on Sunday as well. I played him on Main Slate and in round four. And he was part of the deal. Jimmy Walker came through for me on Sunday. He was 6,100 bucks last week. People are betting Jimmy Walker this week. Going back to him. You know, his history is so good here, Pat. It is very good. You go back seven years. Yeah, if you go pre-Lyme disease, you're going to be pretty good with Jimmy Walker. So here are some of the trends. Like last year, the winner was $8,500. And even to look at both the betting odds and DraftKings pricing, that's a huge anomaly for this tournament. 
where it's usually someone who's way off the board who wins or one of the favorites wins. Right. Yeah. So Hoagie was just kind of in the middle. I think he was 65 to one in the betting market. Now he's like 18 to one. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, but he scored 25 and a half more DraftKings points than any other person. There were six guys that scored over 105 DraftKings points, and he was the only mid-tier guy to do that. Three of the guys were 75 to 100 and below. The other three were over 9,000, including the two most expensive guys. Uh, three of the top four scores the year before were over $9,700. Like, you just, you see that. So that's what I would want to go full fade on the Vic, Fitz, and Spieth type area. But I'm convinced that two of those guys are going to be like the top five drafting scoring. Well, it's definitely possible. I mean, just look at Jordan Spieth's history here. Yeah. Look, look at what, you know. Even, again, when, even when he sucked, he played well here. Even when Jason Day sucked, he played well here still. Jordan Spieth almost died here. Last year he also. Did. That yeah. was a pretty insane shot. I, I, I almost died after he blew that lead for me. That was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Would you take that shot, side note? No. There was no chance I'm taking that. Like, you could slip right there. I was yeah. like, it looks so bad. Even Greller was just, like, sweating it so hard, and Speech just didn't care. I was like, damn, this guy's pretty crazy. But, yeah, I mean, Speech history. Hovland, sneaky U.S. Am history. You know, he's got everything and, going for him but the Pro-Am version and, and, of it. Yeah, and the U.S. Open he played quite well. Low-Am. Low-Am. Low-Am yeah. at the U.S. Open. Correct, yeah. yeah. But. So, I mean, you got that. And then Fitz, the thing about Fitz, 10-1, we're going to go there anyway and we'll build lineups up. But Fitz is, to me, not – everyone's quoting it as certain things. And I think he'll still have ownership. But the point is, like, he's definitely, to me, a way different golfer now than even just, like, a year ago at this event, for example. Yeah, do, do we think that's – do we think old Fitz is more suited for here or new Fitz? Because I feel like old Fitz is, like, per, would have been perfect I for don't think course. we're missing old Fitz. I think we, he still has – I, I think he's just more well-rounded. He's just and better. All around, him. he's just better. So I think he still has that capability. And then you talk about some of the stuff you need. Why Spieth has been so good here is the around the green game where you've seen Fitz just do no, numbers with that as well on top of gaining distance if he needs it or things like that. So, you know, if he has to play in the wind – all these factors, I think Fitz is a great play this week. Yeah. Ownership aside, it's going to be there. And the one thing I, I'll, the note I'll make about the wind at Pebble Beach is that it's not going to be overly detrimental because these are not super long holes. Right. It's not like you're stepping up and trying to hit the ball 340 yards off the tee. This course doesn't allow for that. The issue is if you do go off course at all at Pebble, you're like fucked. Yes, that is like true. Like there's just big numbers. Good about point it. on the first part though. Like it's not the same as like a 7,500 yard course with wind. There's, it's a shorter course. So you got that set up from the start point. And then like you said, it's just, it's a problem if you go offline. What do you want to do in our one and done? Uh, we went with Justin Thomas last week when you weren't here. Okay, I was going to ask you that. I should have should have shot you a text. I assumed you're taking care of it, but go ahead. It, uh, that did not turn out well for us. Yeah. As he wilted on the weekend. It was looking good for a bit. So what do you want to do here? I have a name in mind. I can't believe I would ever say this, but <laughs> no one wants to play him on DraftKings. No one wants to use him this week. It's a short course that's a putting contest. I think we use Denny. Denny? Yeah. I don't think anyone's using Denny. I like him for DraftKings. I like him for DraftKings too. Like it just out of all the tournaments you can use him at, a weak field putting contest <laughs> does seem like the tournament to use him at. <laughs> it really does. Actually, what are his odds too? I think they're forty to one. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't mind the Denny call. I've got him marked here for sure. I like him quite a bit at this spot. 9,200 is an ugly. Him and Putnam are two guys where the price tag's just ugly, but Putnam is actually still going to get some of the ownership because of the recent form and the results oh, and stuff. And people betting him. In fact, yeah. I, I kind of called Lonto, like the, in terms of pricing this week, like the poor man's power, because mm -hmm. I feel like they do a lot of the same things well. If you just wanted to go to like 150, you can bet Adam Long, who's like the poor man's <laughs> Andrew Putnam. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> Andrew Bettenham. All right, everyone's Bettenham, you said. All right, Andrew Putnam, I, I wouldn't go with, but I like the, the Denny McCarthy call. 
You're, you're good with, with Denny? Yeah, I like that. I, I like taking chances in this spot. And also, you said it earlier, but like that's the other thing about sample sizes and pulling the numbers. When you go to the, the betting numbers, it was the same way. It's like there's seven long shots, there's four mid-tiers, and there's four favorites. And this is like a, a longer history, 15 years or whatever. So that just shows you that it can be anything. But he's a guy that definitely would fit it. And it, you know, the price tag on DraftKings, too, 9200 I don't think anyone's going to really go there. He also fits into that. He's the one name that I forgot to mention. So Hoagie, Putnam, Rose, and Denny. Are all the ones in the off don't get pebble on Saturday. So just in, in, in case that becomes a thing, good news for Denny. You like get, Rose this week? He's one. He's cussed one and done. He, that's great news because I, I already didn't like him, and now Cust is on him, so that's perfect. It's funny because the projected ownership, and projected ownership has been really bad this year. Yeah. Uh, some people have been really good at it. Slow starting, too. Uh, you know, that's a, definitely a factor. But, you know, some guys are good at it, for sure. Yeah. No, for sure. Some some guys are way better. And, like, ours just uses an aggregation, some sort of algorithm to put it together at fantasynational.com slash mayo for that 20% off. Rose is appearing in 18% of generated lineups right now. But his projected ownership is only 10%. Yeah, and I have him at 12, so I'd agree with that. Somewhere in that So it's that somewhere, range. it's not as much as people on Fantasy National are using him potentially, but it's maybe not as low as the projected outcome is. That's what I'm seeing. I have Denny at like 6%. I have him at 6.5. Yeah. So. It's a good play. I think he's fine. Yeah, and even if he does pick up steam a little bit more, it doesn't really hurt him that much. Like if he gets to 8 or 9, it's not like, oh. Can't use him now. Can't use him now. Yeah, we always talk about this, but some people may not know that or understand it. So yeah, I'm definitely still in on Denny. I like him at 9,200. So Denny in the one and done, would you think about using Spieth or Vic or like Spieth? I could see. Yeah. Like if you want to use Spieth, I think here Valero is the move. Yeah. You, I guess that's the difference is with Spieth. You could actually say it was people want to use him at Augusta. He just, even with his worst times. Do, do you want to use him? I don't. I'm saying, but they're like thinking about this week, what would keep him in check and make him okay to use. You said, could we use Spieth? Or, yeah, you could. Cause you know, there's other spots you could save him for. But if you think this is the spot. The question is, though, I mean, at least here he gets a third round. So if he does go full Spieth, full Keegan, if you want to call it, in this event, at least he'll get to come back for the third round. Last time he did not because he, of course, was the first round leader, tied for it, and then missed the cut in round two. I believe it's Sony Open. But just looking at it from this perspective, this week at least gets three rounds. You can come back on this course, too. I think Seamus Power was leading by five strokes after 36 holes last year. I remember because I had money on him. And then he was just he didn't factor into the outcome when yeah. we got to Sunday. Yeah, and Spieth and Phil were tied for the lead the year that Phil won. And I think immediately Spieth put like three in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a challenge for Spieth in that win on Pebble on Saturday. You said it like if you if you go offline, you're in big trouble. So the Pat Mayo experience is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is that all in one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed Online. So whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything from products to content to time, all in one place, all on your terms. And it is super easy to use. You don't need to be a tech wizard in order to set up your own website to peddle your wares on the World Wide Web. Squarespace makes that so easy, thus cutting down on the expenses you'll need to pay someone else to do it. You can do it all yourself. 
You can set up email campaigns to engage with your audience with Squarespace email campaigns. Collect email subscribers on your site and build connections and repeat business through regular email updates. If you're in the content space and you have a lot of videos, you can host your entire video collection, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages and sell access to your videos with member access. But the best part about it all is the analytics feature. You can use those insights to grow your business, learn where your site visits come from, where sales are coming from, then you can analyze which of your channels are the most effective. Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords and most popular products and content. It makes it all easy, all in one spot for a very low cost. And it's something that you're going to need to do if you want to grow your business. So Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash mayo to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. I got the numbers. Tons of you have done it, but not all of you. Yeah, so what you need to do right now, if you want to take charge of both your time and your meal prep, visit factormeals.com slash mayo50 and use code mayo50 to get 50% off right now. Because supporting the sponsors is in very much the same way supporting the Pat Mayo experience, which I very much encourage you to do. Eating better is just easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals, mainly because, well, yes, they are very tasty, but it's the time that they save you. Do you say you never have time to work out? Well, if you're someone that preps all your food at home, that means you need to drive to the store. You need to walk through it, make a list, get your groceries, bring them home, store them, unpack them, get the reusable bags out of the way. Then you actually have to make the meal. We're talking like two hours per meal on that. And listen, I love cooking things at home myself, but it takes an awful long time. Are you going to use an app to get takeout? Well, it's going to take you like 30 minutes to figure out which restaurant that you want anyway. Then you wait 45 minutes to get it, and it's probably like crap for you by the time it actually gets there. This is all time that you could have been like spending working out or doing work or just having some relaxation time because all of the meals with Factor are ready to go in just two minutes, and it goes with any sort of meal prep that you want to do. Do you want to do calorie smart? Do you want to do keto? I'm personally trying to bulk up right now, so I'm doing the protein plus to make sure that I hit my levels every single time. I go through, I pick what I want, it shows up. I never have to think about what I'm going to eat for three meals a day, four meals a day, whatever it might be for like three weeks. It's fantastic. So I highly recommend that you head to factormeals.com slash mayo50 and use code mayo50 to get 50% off. That's code MAYO50 at factormeals.com slash MAYO50 to get 50% off. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. DraftKings, ownership, the picks. How do you want to start lineups this week? Do you want to try to build out one of those non-top-end guys? 
lineups, see what those look like. I, I like what we did last time. Someone texted me about a, co a couple people did actually said they like the best plays. All right, well, yeah, we'll so start. If we can try and because this one is actually tough to figure out who they are because you're, you're looking at it and there's a lot of plays that people are mentioning, but ownership does seem a little bit more spread. So it, it does, but I do think I think you almost have to like start with the value plays or, or somewhere in that mind okay, uh, so, mindset of who is the guy that people are playing down low. So here are the guys that are getting talked up down low: uh, Merritt and Lashley at 73 and 72. Grayson Sig, Matthew Neesmith, both at 7,300. Mm -hmm. Russell Knox at 7,500. And Lonto at 7,600. I think are probably going to be the most popular of that range. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, Neesmith looks pretty popular. Knox looks pretty popular. Yeah, Neesmith, yeah. Merritt. You mentioned them. I'm just saying, like, going on my stuff, I'm, I'm seeing the same as you with St a little bit added boost to those guys. Streelman, maybe. Yeah, that seems bad. I know he's got the history, but who knows? What about Will Gordon? He seems pretty popular, too. He, he really hurt my feelings last week. Yeah, he hurt enough people's feelings that maybe not there. So what do you think? Like, Merritt? Because the course history and everything, too, for sure. He, he count him in? It's funny with Merritt. I, I think he's a very good GPP play. When I wrote him up, I wrote about his high variance, is that he's going to get you a bunch of thirds. Not a bunch of thirds, but he'll get you a third-place finish, maybe a win, maybe a few sevenths throughout the course of the season. He might also be the worst player in the field sometimes. That's the issue. I know his history is so good here, like 4th, 16th, 25th, 8th, last four times. Yeah. But, but I, if he I want was him on... at like John Deere or Barbasol or something like that, like just a straight birdie fest, none of this messing around, yet he finds a way to get it done around here. So, Well, it's funny because his rise in this tournament in terms of course history coincides almost immediately when the field got watered down here. Mm -hmm. When Saudi International started, Dustin stopped playing every single year. It's the year that Merritt started playing well. When, like, the best know, tw 15 of the best 25 guys that would play this tournament decided they weren't playing anymore. Right. Getting appearance fees. Yeah, yeah. They're gone. So, yeah, it is true. And maybe he is better than people give him credit for because he has popped in enough events, events where we've seen him down the stretch and, and things like that. But it does still make it tough, but at 7,200, you can get away with it, no problem. Drew, is, is, who is your favorite of the guys down here? Like, I'm going to play Carl Wan, who I really like. He's, what, $7,000, but he's not going to be in our play the best plays because one thing that we want to do is try to build a somewhat chalky lineup then yeah. start pivoting off that. So uh, Ben Griffin is also going to be pretty chalky, but I forgot he was 8,600 bucks. Yeah, ben, ben Griffin's expensive here, but he's been doing his thing. It's been nonstop so far. Some of the guys I like down here, like... I, I'm, I've got some, my, my guys that I always play, like Nick Hardy, um, Grayson Sig, Joey B. Bramlett. Had, had a better week last week than Joey B. Burrow. I know that. So, you know, he had a decent week, 13th place for Bramlett. That's pretty solid for him. His price stayed at 7400 Bo Hostler, another guy that I like down here. Four of his last five made cuts here, third last year. Uh, I don't mind any of these guys, but again, I think they'll all be sub 10% for the most part, at least. So, you know, I'm okay with that. The ones you mentioned are where I think the ownership goes. It's like the Will Gordons. Even Lanto's picking up a little bit of steam on my end. Uh, then you mentioned like Neesmith for sure, Knox for sure, Merritt for sure. So I feel like Merritt, Knox is kind of where people go, but I don't know exactly what you think. All right, well, let's just try to build that lineup. Merritt and Knox, we'll throw them in. Is there, and maybe Neesmith? Yeah, I would throw Neesmith in there too. Okay, so we, we start with those three because we it looks like we want to build a somewhat Stars and Scrubsy type lineup this week. Because I did notice going through all of the ownership that there is a basic dead range after Kucher. And he maybe even, I mean, let's put it this way, after Rose, really. From like Kucher, Denny, Mitchell, Damon, Pendrith. No ownership on those guys relative to the guys above and below because then you get into Dietrich, Smalley, and Griffin who all look like they're going to draw substantial double-digit ownership, right? Yeah. Do we put, do we, should we put Griffin in here then? Because he definitely feels like 
people play them, and that leaves you 9,700. You can almost do... Well, let's try to go to the top. Where do you think that people want to go at the top? Do you think it's Hoagie and Power or like Hoagie McNeely? I think it's like Hovland Fitzpatrick. You think so? Yeah. You, you, do you really Spieth think... some, too, because of history, obviously. I, I, but... Who do you think is going to be the highest known of those three? I think Spieth will be. Uh, higher stakes, it'll be Fitzpatrick. Lower stakes, uh, probably... I don't know, maybe Hovland. Though. I think it will go Spieth, Fitz, Hovland. I think they'll all be relatively close. They're going to be close anyway, yeah. I just think Spieth, people talk themselves off of it because, the, oh, the, I'm going to get sneaky and play Hovland here, the the AM history and stuff and all that, or Fitzpatrick is a can, better golfer. Can, like I, can said. I just throw it out? Out of those three, I'd rather play Spieth. Yeah, so we can play Spieth. Spieth makes the most sense for building, like, the chalky cash game, course history, everything combined lineup anyway. So if you go Spieth, that leaves you 8700 bucks. So who do we have as our chalky low eights guy? You have Lipsky, who I like. Taylor, uh, Taylor Moore's not actually garnering as much ownership as I would have thought. You have like Nick Taylor and Lipsky. So if we throw Lipsky in here, the Lipper. It leaves you Denny. It leaves you Denny. Okay, that's not the lineup that I want. Okay, so let's take Spieth out. Let's go with Hoagie because Hoagie's going to be pushing 20% ownership, right? Do you think so? Yeah, I do. I, I struggle to see it. I just think based on because let's see if this works. I'd put him more at fifteen. You go Griffin. I I don't see how anyone clicks Hoagie when Matt Fitzpatrick and Power are right there. People, he won last year. He's playing some good golf. He gets you those savings. I don't know. We could play Hoagie if we go to Power. Okay, this works. Oh, you can play Hoagie Power Lipsky. You can play Hoagie Power Lipsky, or you can go McNeely Power Griffin. McNeely power and then take Lipsky up to Griffin. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably more pot. That's probably the way that, you know, you could see it be a little bit more popular. I'm just trying to see now though, if like it, it, I would say that the move would actually be take the McNeely spot or the power spot up to Hovland, Fitzpatrick or Spieth or even Hoagie. But I just don't see anyone in the $6,000 range that everyone's gravitating towards. Like once you get to essentially merit or yeah, once you get to merit at 7,200 bucks, there's no one that, people are gravitating towards is there like do you see anyone in the sixes who's like oh there's the guy in the sixes that everyone is playing i don't see it no but i think it's like you said if you're taking power up like this i would see this being more popular is like mcneely lipsky fitzpatrick is where people would McNeely, go mcneely yeah because fitzpatrick's only 100 bucks more than hoagie any projection sites or things like that out there have him for massive point gap over hoagie and now you've got McNeely, who has a great history here. Second place the year, obviously, Berger won. L- lived on this course. Yeah, That too, yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense. Lipsky, <laughs> I, I don't mind Lipsky at all this week. I bet him. So, uh, you know, definitely interested oh, I, there. I did too. I like Lipsky. Yeah, so he, he's fine. And Lipsky could also be Taylor Moore. I know some people are going that route. But if you have Knox, Neesmith, Merritt already, then you, you can mix these guys around as much as you want. But it does seem more like the 10-9-8 finish in the sevens is going to be more popular. How popular, actually, this makes me think, Pat, how popular do you think we see, like, a Spieth Hovland lineup? Well, th- this is definitely I, possible. Th- this is what I was going to ask, because it's very easy to get to that lineup. I mean, let's just say Spieth Fitzpatrick, just to make it easy on the lineup that we just built. So take out McNeely take and out McNe- Take out McNeely and make him and Spieth. Lipsky or whatever, yeah. Whoever then take have. out Lipsky, and you can make him, who was the other chalk guy at 7300 bucks. Sig. Lashley is the one who's going to garner the most interest. There's your lineup. Fitzpatrick and Spieth with Lashley, Knox, Neesmith, and Merritt. Yeah. And that kind of coincides with the trends that I gave out of, you know, two of the top three price players are probably going to be in the top five of DraftKings scoring. Then you roll the dice at $7,500 and below. And that's why I said, too, though, on projection sites, just so you know, like that is 10 points less than 
the lineup we just built. Then the the Fitzpatrick, McNeely, Knox, Merritt, Smith, and one of Lipsky or Taylor Moore. So just to keep that in mind, like I said, the Fitzpatrick version of this. So if we go back to... How much do you put into projections for golf? A lot. A lot? I don't think they're worth a lot. I'm saying how, are you, for building ownership, a lot. Building ownership, yes. That's all I care but, about. So that's what I'm saying. If, if I know that the ownership... If I know that Fitzpatrick is projecting on projection sites... Oh, so you're saying that's it's 10 percentage points. He is, he's projecting somewhere around 8 to 10 points more on projection sites, which when people just run those projections, therefore they get a lot more of Matthew Fitzpatrick. And then people wonder, how did you know Fitzpatrick's going to be that much higher owned in this tournament? Well, that's why I knew. And now you have to adjust for that when you're building yourself. Doesn't mean he's a bad play because he's getting more ownership. That's where people confuse it. Not who you play, how you play them. I just adjust for that to know now he is this, therefore this with the rest. So that's an example of it. But I, I had it with Scheffler Rahm a couple weeks ago with him and somebody the week before that. It's the same way here. Fitzpatrick is the guy at 10-1. That's just $100 more than Hoagie, 500 cheaper than Spieth that people just believe is the same. He won a major last year. Like, he's he's a better golfer. Uh, it just even to look at the odds, the odds will tell you that all three of these players are exactly the same. Right. And I would wager that Hovland's actually the best player of the bunch. Yeah, and I I, that's why I don't think Hovland's that much that far behind in ownership of a guy like Fitzpatrick. I think that when we look at the overall numbers by the time this is released, like in the, like the large $20, I think that Hoagie's going to be right on their tails. Uh, yeah, I would unless he's unless people decide power is the guy that they want instead. Yeah, I would that's why I would take the opposite side of the Hoagie thing. I, I would say Hoagie stops at 15 and you see it all on Hovland, Fitzpatrick, Power, McNeely, and then some Speeth up in there as well. Somewhere of those, I just don't see Hoagie getting in the mix with them because of what I'm seeing right now on my side. I think Putnam's going to be not like super high, but he he could be in the mix too. I just have no interest in playing Andrew Putnam at $9,700. When I could play, look, I don't love Cooch. Cooch is cheaper and a third of the ownership or half the ownership or whatever it is. Right. I don't think they're that different. And that's good. That's why this <laughs> tournament's good, though, is because when any tournament, Pat, we talk about this all the time, but any tournament where you've got the sticker shock pricing, you almost just have to remove that from it and just say, like, it's not that hard to change your lineup from what you just said, like a rose to a coocher, it's a hundred bucks or like any, any version that you're looking at, like you said, power to Lanto. If that's the same to you, you pick up all that money. You can either leave it because you think he's the same player better, or you could use that money to upgrade elsewhere, which most would do. But right now from ownership to end it out, I see the top three splitting it up some way, shape or form. Hovland, Fitzpatrick, Spieth, Fitzpatrick higher in higher stakes. And then I see Mav McNeely at 9,600. That's the four guys that I see. And then after you'll get your trickle of the hoagies, the powers, the Putnams and all those guys. But that's that's where it stands for the guys up top. So I want to build one of those lineups that I talked about that doesn't feature the guys Saturday. So it's sort of the best players who aren't playing Pebble okay. and try to figure out that lineup. So the three that I have in right away is actually a 10, a 9, and an 8. Hoagie, Denny, Griffin. Yeah, and I like that. I was I already had Hoagie and Denny plugged in when you said what we're doing. So, But if we use Hoagie and Denny, we can use Griffin and not <laughs> worry about any sort of ownership. That's You're fine it. already because you have Denny in here. Yeah. And, and now, you have Denny. Just De- Denny is the like skeleton yeah. key here. Y- that's the thing, too, and it's twofold, right? The other side, people don't see it. It's like, well, but Hoagie, you just said he still could be something, Pat. Like, he might show up this. It doesn't matter, though, because you also still don't have Spieth, Hovland, Fitz, McNeely, McNeely four you're fine. Like now you're already different enough that you can kind of do what you want and fill it out with the plays you want. But we're sticking to a strategy here on top of picking names that end up being different. So that's what I said earlier about why sometimes stacking is still better, Pat, because you're just ending up naturally different in your roster construction, even if you are on the same build type 
or anything like that. So I, I like this quite a bit. Who are some of the other guys that stand out? We got 7,400 average. Uh, I was going to say Carol Wan, but he actually doesn't fit into this because he's a part of the, the pe- same group yeah. as a part of the pebble. I was like, oh, perfect. I can just go straight down to $7,000 and play him. But he doesn't actually fit into why I would be playing this lineup to begin with. Right. And you don't care that much about the opposite. I decided no, right? like just- Spyglass and Monterey. You don't, you're not saying like these have to be all guys off pebble and on this court. No, just, just guys off pebble. Off pebble. Yeah, yeah. So I will make sure people know. So that's good. Okay. We can go look at this. Let's make sure I'm on round three. Oh, Max McGreevy is playing. There we are. Get so, another bet and add him to the card. He'll be what two fifty? Yeah, $7,400 remaining for these guys. Is do you have a name in the sixes that I can play? Because I I haven't found one that like when it came to Eric Cole, like the numbers just look really good for him. I was like, okay, we yeah. don't really know who this guy is, but he <laughs> seems to be playing well. It was almost like with Eric Barnes last week. Like every number supports playing this guy, whether he's good or not. Who fucking knows? But well, yeah. Let's, let's give week, it a whirl. If you go look at Barnes for last week, did you see what he, how he got there? He's like chipped in three times. Oh, it was massive putter. I think he gained like six with the putter on, on the days on the se- that they on tracked the, on him. the south course. Well, they two two tracked rounds for him. He played the whole way, so two full rounds. He was. Uh, what about going back to Eric Cole? And here's why I say this. He missed the cut at the Farmers last week. And based just on his profile, not a good course for Eric Cole. Yeah. Like, he, it was the first week since, Jesus, I mean, Bermuda, we didn't even get stuff, since Shriners, that he lost strokes on approach. Still gained around the greens. Gains around the greens every single week. Generally is a positive putter and gains on approach every single week. Sucks off the tee. But I think that means less here. Yeah, I I deleted him off my list. But okay. I get why you like him, and you should stick with your guy. That's one of the things about this start of the season, especially if you can stick with your dudes, that's a good way to do it. But I got a harder time sticking with a guy like Barnes who just gained it all through the putter. You know, so well, I'm not I, saying with Barnes. I'm no, no, I was using. I'm just switching examples to say like I, that. I, I can I can understand why you would stay with Cole because what he's done and the stats that fit and you've been on him. I'm saying like I, I, the other guy we talked about was Barnes and off after last week's putter, I have a harder time sticking with a guy like him. I think you could stick with a guy like Cole. He's just not on my list. So uh, maybe I add him back in the Mayo special and, and get him in there. But for this lineup, I think you know just starting off like Hostler goes off of he's 7400. He fits the average. He's on Spyglass on Saturday at 8:30. 7400 bucks. Love him. I hate Hostler. How, though? It's just, he's, he legit sucks. He's, he's, he's Inle- unless he makes 200 feet worth of putts in a round, he's like plus seven. Yeah. The odds don't say he sucks. The matchups don't say he sucks. His, the, his results say his, he sucks. His history here is four of the five made cuts with a third last year. Like Anything you uh, want to look at says he's pretty good here. But we can leave him out. Uh, I'm just giving I, my I, I would rather play Nate Lashley for the same price. Okay. Well, is he? What course is he on on Saturday? I have no idea. But just a, in general, I'd rather play. He's him. on Monterey, so there you go. Let's go Lashley. So we'll go with Lashley. We're already different enough, and you like him better, so we can roll with him. I like Callum Terran better. But I like Callum Terran too. Is he? Where is he I think starting? He is on Spyglass. No, he's also on Monterey. All right, so there we go. So Terran, and that what is that? Seventy six hundred. Uh, I would say Lonto. Lonto is playing Pebble though. Oh, we got seventy seven hundred. What what course What's is Hardy? Nick Hardy on? Yeah, I'm gonna say I like Hardy. Hardy is on. Hardy plays Pebble Day One, so he's not on Pebble Monterey on Monterey again. There we go. There's our lineup. I like that lineup. It's a good lineup. Denny, Hoagie, Griffin, Lashley, Taron, Nick Hardy. Yeah, pretty good. Still about ten points behind the others, but again, when you're anytime you're going to be missing the Hovland, Spieth, Fitzpatrick's of the world, 
for what we're talking about. Again, I don't care that much about the projection. This is a, a strategy-based lineup here that we did. My my point would just be that that's why it's behind. It's not like it's like a bad lineup because it's who cares about the projections. Ownership-wise, this will be low-owned. It has a strategy behind it on where we're starting it and why we're starting it where we are. So basically, this is like the no-pebble Saturday lineup. Which, again, you don't need to commit to. No, but it, again... What I keep saying, but it's true, is like that's the whole point. Why we're it's a an angle to take, that that could just be the bonus, Pat. The other angle is is that they could just be good plays. Like they they are good golfers. They're all guys that we like. Damon and Kisner haven't played in ages, like three months. Yeah, I'm not playing either of them. Yeah, I'll check mine just to be sure, but definitely not Kisner. I know that one. I think I deleted him off my list. Yeah, he's out. And Damon, how much is Damon? He's expensive. He's nine thousand right? bucks. Yeah, I took him off the list as well. So main reason is just not, I mean, the 11 months or whatever it is, sorry, 11 weeks or something since he's picked up a club, had a kid. He does have a little bit of nappy factor going for him. And a little bit. Let's we'll see that next boy. week at Riviera where he's played some good golf. I was just going to say, you can always wait a little bit. Homa didn't get it right away. Homa got it last week. So it, it takes a little time to let that marinate some, but mainly the re, the area that he's in. You you know, you got Smalley, Lipsky, McCarthy, Keith Mitchell, Griffin, Burmeister, guys that have been playing and playing Dietrich. They've all been playing golf and playing decent enough that if I'm not saying they're great plays, but why would you play them over Damon? That's a reason why you could go there. So I don't hate it. So I have Burmeister, who I played a ton of last week, actually. And I bet him last week. Didn't work. No. But I have him at 2% ownership right now. Although I don't like him at this course. Like he seems to be, his skill set is the exact opposite of what Pebble demands. Like Tori was a good course for him. Yeah. Like, he drives it a ton. He gains strokes driving every single week. Dude can't make a putt to save his fucking life. And he can barely hit an approach. Yeah, not I, a good, not I, a good I, I do have him at a lot higher ownership than you, but also still showing as a decent play based on that. But I would say this. There is a little worry there still because, remember, he did come off an injury. That's why a lot – like, he, I think he was uh, – I think he's still playing with it. He has, like, a broken toe or a broken foot. It was posted there. He posted his x-ray on Instagram. Everyone saw that. Then he came out and had that great first round a couple weeks ago – Kind of leaned off a little bit from there and didn't do as much. But again, he's still caliber-wise decent. And at price point of 8400 it's not the worst. The problem is when you've got Lipsky, Moore, Griffin, guys like that around him, does that make him better because that, that's what make him, makes him low-owned? Or does that make it be like, why would I play him when I can just play these other guys? Yeah. I mean, where did Lipsky pop? Sony? Uh, yeah, I think it was two weeks yeah. ago. Him and Ben Taylor both popped. Yeah. That's why I'm going back to both those guys this week. Yeah, I, I just like I took Lipsky, if you remember, too, in the uh, the Pat Mayo draft. That's the a, did, you, draft. did you actually? Oh yeah, my last guy. I, I've I've had a couple of near misses with that. Like Davis Thompson couldn't close the deal for me. Mm-hmm. That was no fun. Who, who was the other guy? I had someone this week too. Davis Thompson's still impressive, right? I don't know like what you think, but for that, just side top. I mean, you got a sponsor's invite by the way for next week. That's why he got out of this this week. Which is good because I think that Riviera is a much better course for him than Pebble Beach is. Or actually, sorry, his, his sponsor's invite is for waste management. Even better. Yeah. What isn't that next week? Yeah, it is next week. Yeah. Okay. Then, then Riviera then is the week Riviera after. The week after. Yeah, yeah. So for next week, but that, that makes sense. But anyway, Davis Thompson showed me. I I, I think he showed a lot more up top than what we saw to Ryder last week. And then unfortunately, Ryder had like, was it Cuss's mom or was it his mom sitting there saying like, I'm here to see him win. Well, that's sure. What, what's not she supposed to say? True. But uh, like, come I don't on, know. Sammy, hang on. Poor uh, guy. Yeah. I fell for it. He was holding. He. It's funny playing with Rom and Finau. 
he was playing the best of those three through like eight holes. Yeah, and he held his own on Saturday too. I know it doesn't quite count the same because then you sleep on the lead and come into Sunday. And obviously on, on hole one, when there's a two-shot swing in his favor, one up, one down with Rom there, you think, holy shit, this kind of is interesting. But yeah, then sort of fell apart down the stretch and it sucks when that happens. But uh, not like Rom had much better day. Huh. Did not expect this. Miscut, miscut to start the season. That's not very good. Who's that? James Hahn. Yeah, I joked about this on the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast. Is he, I don't know what's going on with him. He's either injured or down bad because he keeps asking on Twitter for like, he keeps really pumping up Liv as like the good guy. And then our guy, Ryan Baroff, resident fill-in on Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast, he said, James, nobody wants you. The only person that thinks you're good is Timothy Frank at Fantasy Golf Man. He's like, leave it alone. Like basically saying, stop begging to get on with Liv. But I don't know if he just needs the bag or the money or what, but he has not been good. I know he was also recovering a little bit, I think, from hey, a bit he, of an injury and some th- late withdrawals. He but had three top tens last year. He always has some upside if people aren't eating bags of chips around him. <laughs> but we don't know what, where he's at right now, and that's why at 6,600, it's only kind of interesting. But again, you have guys like you, you know Ben Martin, uh, Vincent Norman, double R Norman. But a, again, Vince Norman's another guy who does the majority of his damage off the tee. That's his entire bag. Yeah, I, I care more about, like, again, if they're playing last week and playing good versus guys that are missing cuts. I'm not saying you have to go here. I'm just giving examples yeah, of why. Yeah, I'm saying that if I'm, I'm, if I'm going to go down into this range, I at least want them to appear to be a skill fit on paper rather than I know what types of courses that these particular guys should play well at, and this is not one of them. Not to say yeah. they won't play well. They that's make, what I mean. They yeah, can make every putt going. I don't do that either, and that's what you do. That's good. I just I don't play just on course fit. That's a, a big advantage of getting guys that are different. Like if people really sure, but uh, why do I need to get so different at sixty five hundred dollars? Like anyone I take is going to be different. Oh yeah, you, that, I'm not saying you have to play Norman either. We're just saying that's why it's hard to go to Han not knowing anything that's going on with them when you have guys around him that have actually played well. Hey, gained, gained on approach two weeks in a row. Yeah, could could be a guy to go back to. Hasn't made a putt to save his life, but you know that happens. Yeah, He's maybe. won two tournaments. Maybe he can bounce back. Ryan Armour, short courses. Ryan Armour has played well here, too, I believe. Short coastal, yeah, you could go to him. He's 67. He, yeah. he really let, I don't play Ryan Armour often, but I will tell you, when I do, he lets me down. Yeah, he's, again, He never has that random putting week where he comes in second. At least this week, people aren't going to him. Usually, it's also a week where he's like 8 or 9%, and people have chosen him as the value play of the week based on the short course, needing approach, all the stuff that goes with it. Here, it doesn't look like any ownership. And then, of course, your boy... Eric Cole is right there. Yeah, Eric Cole is right so there. Continues to play like all right. Golf. Feel good about him, and he, he's actually played well lately. Plus, has similar stats to what you were mentioning with Han, and and he does sort of the opposite of what Han does. Like he, I mean, Han just can't putt. Gr- uh, almost like Griffin. Cole has just uh, not Taylor Montgomery esque, mind you. Eventually, that started to come to an end last week. <laughs> we'll see on a harder course against a harder field. But Eric Cole just continues to putt well. Yeah, he's, he's making the putt. Grayson Sig's another one. He just makes putts. Well, yeah, I like Grayson Sig this week. I bet him at a hundred. I, I missed a bigger number on him. Like but. there are people that will argue that putting. Like I did the thing, big thing with Brandon last year from Number Fire, and he's like, there actually is predictive value into seeing guys from basically five to fifteen feet. Like there are certain guys that make more of those putts than other guys. Like it's not baseless, and it's, it's worked it's, well at certain courses. Like if you go to Heritage, right at, at Hilton Head. And that's pretty, they have the smallest screen, smaller greens, right? And you see people that are put, every putt is within five to fifteen feet. And what do you know? The guys that are best at that typically come through because it's what they're comfortable with and what they crush at. So funny that you mentioned that course in particular. 
we've seen a lot of crossover success between mm-hmm. both those places. Yeah, I think, I think that's part of it. Coastal sure. courses, small greens, like Siwoo's played well yep. at Pebble Beach. You don't normally get that really high-end feel, but like Berger has obviously played well at both. Mm-hmm. I mean, Spieth and Cantley always play well at this tournament. They were in a playoff last year at Heritage. Yeah, Knox has played well there, and people want to play him here. Fitzpatrick has showed up there at times, and he's in this. So like, there's definitely guys that you could go to there. What about uh, Chesson Hadley? I was gonna, he was the other guy I was going to mention at 68 to ask. He has really good course history here. But I'm not a Chesson Hadley guy. I just saw he popped a little bit and stuff, and I wasn't sure if you had any take on him. He's no ownership. I, I feel like, what, what are we, we chasing like five years ago with Chesson Hadley? Feels like it. Yeah, like he's singing. Like, when was that, the last time he was A? Yeah, I think it was when he was singing in the SUV on, on Instagram or Twitter or whatever it was. I mean, I mentioned James Hahn, so I'm not one to talk here. He did have three top tens last year, almost in the same time that James Hahn had the three top tens. It's really strange. I don't know. I feel like Cuss cursed his career at that. <laughs> or did he? Uh, at Palmetto. When he was winning by like four strokes, he's like, Chesson Hadley can't lose. And then I ended up winning the mini-max that week because Higo won. Oh, your Stan. boy. Yeah. I had Higo and Hatton, and they ended up coming one and two, along <laughs> with Bo Van Pelt. It was like my greatest week ever. I don't know. Maybe you just stick to 7K and up because that gets you to your guy, Carl Juan. You could play there. You, you've got a lot of guys at seven to 7,200. I mean, 7,200 to 7,500 is just stacked. Well, it, it does. And like, I love a lot of guys in the $7,000 range this week. But how does that affect what I want to do up top? Like, if I want to, like, that's where I'm having the hardest part of why I'm finding this week hard to figure out. Because I've looked back at it. These top-end expensive guys generally perform very well in DraftKings lineups, and you need to find the jabronis to go along with them. Yeah. But, especially this year, Hovland, Fitzpatrick, and Spieth. They don't seem, like, they are, versus the rest of this field, yes. Talent-wise, they are a cut above but it doesn't feel like they're top end players. Like we normally get like, I mean, Cantley usually plays this. Cantley is for as much as I don't like Cantley. He's a cut above these guys. Well, that's what I would ask too. You know, great example. It ties into bringing the last few weeks together on tour and with pricing and DraftKings and everything all together. Pat, remember the week with the Koreans up top. It was like Siwoo Kim, Sung Jae Sony, and yeah. Tom Kim. Was it Sony? Yep. And I told you this. I said I took the L because I made this mistake of saying, like, these guys are better than the 9K range. But and then and on paper, you're they right. were, and talent-wise, probably yes. But were they really that much better? And when, when you realized the answer was no was the following week when the 10K range was, well, like, way better. Way better. Scheffler like, and Rom was 10.8, and <laughs> Scheffler was 10.6, and then the 9K range was, like, nobody's compared to them. And you're like, oh, shit, I messed up, but I'm a week behind on figuring out the puzzle. That puzzle was already built and created and crushed. This, we're on to a new week of new puzzle we have to figure out right here. You could definitely make the argument that Spieth, Hovland, Fitzpatrick on paper, sure, they're definitely better. If I was doing a draft, they're getting picked ahead of them. If yeah, I was doing this. They're the first three picks in the draft. Right. But for draft kings, do I need to go up there or can I just say Power, Putnam, McNeely, Kuchar, McCarthy, Mitchell, these guys are the same dudes and just get comfortable with some of those guys. So I would actually say you, you have your big three. And then I do feel like Hoagie and Power are on a tier by themselves. I think McNeely is in that tier, by the way. You know what? I, I agree with you. I think McNeely's like, Putnam isn't. Right. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think it's Hoagie, Power, McNeely is P- the next Put- range. Putnam is more Denny and Kucher. Yep. Denny is Hoagie or Power, at this point at least. And similar in the set of probably pretty safe but don't be surprised if it's a T40 at the end of the week or something and you paid almost 10K for a T40. Again, you could also see the T4 that he's put up in, in recent f- form and had decent run last year, talking about Andrew Putnam, that is. But then you go down to like Keith Mitchell and Damon types are like wild cards. They could put up a big week. 
I, I'm more on the Mitchell side. I'm with you against Damon here. But I'm saying like that at least is a, it's not really in the tiers as much as they do have the upside to pop. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't love Mitchell either. I, I like. I, I don't have a disdain for him. I just, I nothing him here. I, yeah, I was going to say, I don't, it's not like I love him. I'm just saying I like him more than like Rose and Joel Damon. So I would put him in a tier of, but he's still a wild card. I wouldn't say he's like a McNeely or like a Putnam in this spot where it's the safe plus upside. It's more of just like boom bust in this range and you are paying 9,100 for it. So I, I keep getting roundabout back to this question, but I don't know what to do with the top. How do I start my lineups? That, that's my question to you this week. I know who I want to play from down low. That's fine. What do I do with the top? Yeah, I'm definitely playing guys up top. I'm playing all three of the first guys, Spieth, Hovland, Fitzpatrick. I'm definitely playing o- Over how many lineups, though? 150? 150. Okay, so what if we're doing something like me where I'm playing 50 lineups or I'm playing 20 lineups? Like, Is there a guy to cut out, or do I still make that pretty even around the top and then concentrate the lower end? I think one of the better strategy tips that I could give would be to say that I would start at the bottom. I mean, just a different way to look at it, but I'm saying like, if you go down to the bottom and say, okay, I feel very comfortable about these, because you just said it yourself. You don't care. Like, they're the same dude to you up at the top. Yeah. You put them in tiers. If you land with 10-3, make a decision. It's Hovland or Fitzpatrick. You don't have 10-6 for Spieth. If you land at 10K, it's like, oh shit, I got to leave those top three guys out. But remember, we did talk about it and they may not be what we really think. Top three in draft picks, maybe not top three on draft kings. Let me go down to my guy Hoagie. I'll just play him and... The bonus is I get to avoid the, the pebble pebble wind on Saturday. But the where you got to get comfortable, Pat, is the guys down below. Because while there is so many of them, you still have to take your stands and play the ones that you want. I wouldn't just want to land on whoever, even though there's more options. You can flip it to look at it the other way. It's just I like the bottom-up build, personally. That's how I do it. My numbers reveal the best plays from down low. Cam Percy, Ben Martin, Ryan Moore, James Hahn. And then Camillo Vigegas. Okay, that's great news. Yeah. And that's it. I don't want to use any of those guys. Yeah, those like don't even... I didn't hear them all 100% and know them off. You know I'm bad with lists, but I would say just in general, <laughs> I don't think I would be putting very many of those even in my 150 set. Like, I, again, I'm just... I mentioned this last week. I didn't didn't get to be here for this show, but I'll say it again for this week. And, and I do think it's important to talk about because it's been the way the season has started off. And I don't think, Pat, the DraftKings is going to go away from this the pricing setup. It does matter. You have to adjust. We saw it in NFL all season. People didn't want to adjust enough to where two tight end lineups actually became more of a thing in football this year because the value prices on running backs were bad. So you had to kind of get guys that actually got touches and had a chance. In golf, with the 10K range only being four guys and then it dropping off, it's making it so that even though you have 90 guys in the 6K range, none are very appealing. So you will look at more balanced builds. Here's a guy. Who do you got? Some you'll know. Soon you'll know. Yeah. How, soon you'll soon know. Soon you'll know how your lineups look. We, we say it all the time. I uh, always try to come back to this every single year, like when he plays this West Coast swing. The guy is like the king of Poa putting. 6,800 bucks? 6,800 bucks. He gains, Jesus, he gains almost point, like a quarter of a stroke around on the greens on Poa. That's a huge amount. Uh, plays well in windy conditions and difficult conditions, which is I'm taking out Eric Cole right now, and I'm putting in Sung Yul No. putting in Sung Yul No. He was yeah. 44th last week. At the Farmers, how did he play the swing last season? Not great, Bob. Not great at all. But his proximity right now, looking at proximity ranges over the past 50 rounds, he is second in the field from 100 to 125 yards, where you see like 25 to 30% of your approach shots from. Get three full days, Pat. Hit hit your wedges. Make some putts. Let's go. Like Mulnati is another one I think that people will just naturally gravitate towards. People are playing him and betting him. He's not going to be overly owned or anything. He was 20th last week. Yeah. Also, uh, your boy, soon you'll know, Monterey, Saturday. 
There we are. I, I did see they, they threw up on some places uh, first-round leader odds yeah. for each of the courses. Oh, did they? Yeah, which is nice. That's like always that. nice. We lost a uh, certified first-round leader to live yesterday. S- Sebastian Munoz is did, moving did, over. Is that true? I thought he was just playing in that tournament. No, it's officially official now. James oh. Corrigan posted it. The Telegraph, as always, comes through that he's joining the uh, the contingent that's moved over there. So Sung, you'll know. 200 to 1. Oh, a, gosh. My... First round leader by course, Pat, yes. You see it there? Yeah, I do. So what's he playing first? Uh, I don't know. If he's playing Monterey on Saturday, what does he play? Uh, let's see. He's playing Pebble Day 1, 35 to 1 first round leader. <laughs> uh, mind you, it's not like he's up against... Oh, this is a much better way to look at it, by the way. If you want a course stack, just bring up the... The odds. The, the, the odds for the courses that no one's playing. Like, all, all of the good players are generally starting at Spyglass. So the best players who aren't starting are Rose, Hoagie, McDenny, Stallings, Taylor Moore, Lipsky, Ben Griffin. Ben Griffin being first-round leader in this tournament and then, like, missing the cut somehow reeks of what's going down. Or, like, just a horrible, horrible finish. Yeah, I yeah. can definitely see that, too. What's his odds? 20 to 1. Oh, God. He has, higher, he has better odds than Davis Riley. Like, there's a name we haven't brought up yet. Like, Smalley and Riley... Talent-wise, really stick out to me. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm, I'm especially in on Riley. I mean, I'm in on both, but I definitely like Riley. I, I just think they're good players. Yeah. Uh, yeah at some point, it, it's, it's like why I am playing. You mentioned Bramlett. I think that Bramlett's terrible, but that's me. Yeah, you like a good course fit, though. This, this seems I do. Like that, the I, this feels like the, the worst course fit. No, no. This um, is what um, he's um, Fairways um, and greens is what he does. He isn't at fairways? Yeah, this is, this is a fairways and greens guy he's, straight back to Corn Ferry Tour, too. Oh, man. This, this dude just wants to bombs away, doesn't he? He actually beat Hovland when Hovland was trying to secure his card in a like a, a just a much needed spot last shot. I forget it was like the Boise Open or the Portland Open. So I remember this from a couple of years ago. It was just bang, every fairway and green, fairway and greened him to death and took him out. And then fair, and then Hovland needed to hole out from like 160 and put it to like two feet, and it was so close, but he lost. I mean, maybe he'll end up clubbing down, but like his main feature is that he bombs it. He's a bomber who doesn't hit a bunch of fairways. See, if you play the course fit this week, then in your mind, you won't get Joey B. Bramlett. I'm not getting Joey B. Bramlett. Good, decent poet putter, as it turns out. You'll be out. missing out, man, on uh, Joey B. I, I, I just, for 7400 bucks, give me Higo instead. Oh, God, deleted him right off my list. Guy, guy who actually wins. You can't play Higo guy, when you've got... Guy, guy who actually wins tournaments. Oh, yeah, one time. Uh, actually, he's won three in the past two years. Counting other stuff. I mean, we just mentioned a fucking Joseph Bramlett corn fairy win. Yeah. I'm playing the guy that I, I like. I, I like Joey B. So I'm playing him. And you got Sig, Suh, Neesmith, Hostler, Kitayama if you want to play. Like, there's all these guys around here that you can play that I think have very solid scoring upside and DraftKings points too. So I, I like him. I, I do worry about Kitayama's inability to putt on. Like, he's might be the worst Poa putter in the field. Yeah, I don't, I don't love him as much as the rest of this range. That's why I threw him out there last. Like, he is. He struggles. Yeah, there, there's other guys here. What about Justin Lower? 7,200. I like Callum Terran more, I guess. But, yeah, there, there's there's definitely guys here. Your guy Ben Taylor you talked about earlier? Uh, I bet Ben Taylor. I like Ben Taylor. Okay. Lashley's there. Yeah, it's just I, I got a hard time going back to, to Higo, even though. You, you talk about a guy who can fill it up. He can <sighs> fill it up. He's like super, him. DraftKings points-wise, super streaky. Yeah, what's he got here? 53rd and 11th the last two weeks. It's not bad. 
I think at one point he made eight birdies in a row with the American Express. American Express was solid. He definitely put up points there. 63 to round things out there. But then yeah, he like, also rounded out the farmers with like a 76, 78 or something. So. For sure. Ben Ann shot like 82. Yeah, Ben Ann sucks. No, Ben Ann's great. He won yeah. on the Corn Ferry Tour. How could he be bad? He, he had to get his card back from that. That's the difference. Yeah, I mean, so. Bramlett had to do the same thing. Yeah, Bramlett's fine. Just play Bramlett. He's 7,400. I like Hostler better, mind you, just to be honest, but just to say it out there. Taryn, I think it's can, can we have a two V two? Can you have Bramlett and who was the guy you just said? Hostler. Bramlett and Hostler versus my Higo and Ben Ann. Oh, for sure. Done. Yeah. Lock me into that. Let's bump it from our normal hundred and make it two hundred. Oh sure. I'll I'll do that. Why not? I like that one. Okay. Um what are we going off of? Scoring? DK points? Yeah, DK points. DK points. I like that bet. Okay. Um, what else was you, you said something else that I was going to bring up. I, I did want to ask you about Nick Taylor. What about him? You using him? I'm not. I'm not. No, obviously a great history play here at 8,000, but, uh, rather play Riley and Bob Shelton for less. I like the trademark plays, the TMs, Taylor Moore and Trey Mullinex a little bit more. I hate Mullinex here. Yeah, he was, he was again, actually, he's not your course fit. He was actually my, I mean, he, a, a bomber who can't putt, not the best fit here. Yeah. Three full, again, but I, I think you're discounting something that's very important here is three full days of scoring. Still matters. The you points were, rack up. Guys, last week, what was a, Wyndham Clark was like 40th last week and top 15 on DraftKings scoring or something. That matters on a three-day, 54-hole cut event. As long as he sneaks through and gets that fourth day, that's all I need. Yeah, I just don't think he sneaks through and gets but he, that he, fourth Yeah, day. that's what you have to go off of. But I'm saying when, when you have a field like this, he was freaking contending in the, the tournament in Memphis last year. Yeah, it's a, I played him at the tournament in Memphis. It's a great fit for him. Yeah, I'm just, again, you're only going off of course fit. And I, I don't play that way. I never have. And I don't, I don't think that's a good way to play, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can play Trey Mullen. It may be a good want. way to bet because you'll have more guys that didn't like fit it based on that. But again, it's just like saying, uh, you know, like when Raza talks about the stat stacks, and we love it, is it, he probably doesn't play all bad putters that could heat up because you're still leaving yourself with outs that some aren't going to heat up. And that's what you need to worry about. That's why you don't play six bad putters because while they're all good on approach, it's unlikely all six spike on the same all course the with same the putter way. at the same time. It's bad for six course fits I, I because just, it can have a bad week I too. just look at what Mullenix does and he hits his long irons very well. He's very long off the tee. He's very bad with his wedges. So if he's missing these small greens with his wedges, this is also a guy who can't chip. Yeah. Can't chip, can't putt. It's a problem. Yeah, people say that every week about guys, and then they do it. Or don't do it. People say, this guy's great for this course. He and it fits doesn't, it perfectly, and it doesn't and work out. Yeah, you're going to have your outliers, but I yeah. think if we can try to determine who's not going to be that great for their skills at this course, I think that makes some sense. I definitely think it makes sense. I said I'm, I think it's a good way to look at it for betting, too, because if you have six guys on your card that are fitting that mold, you probably have a chance that one of those comes through, and now you get a contention, a, a guy in contention and a guy that can win, and you win your bet. I'm saying for DraftKings, if you just play good course fits... Build some course fit lineup, sure, but if you just play that way, I think I don't think you're gonna have the same success because there is outliers and there's strength of field guys that are priced. Again, it's a pricing, salary, etc. Game oh, that stuff sure, still matters for to sure. Me. But if I have to pick one or another from this range, like obviously can't play anyone, and you have Lipsky who's right above him, I think Lipsky. I think overall you put them at a super long, difficult course. Trey Mullenix is probably the better play. You put them at this course, based on what I've seen from Lipsky, I think Lipsky's the better play. Yeah. That's what, that's what you should do. Again, I, I think everybody should stick to their process and, and do what they do with it, but my process is going to be the same way I always do it, and I, I definitely don't just hone in on that. I think that's a way where, like I said, you can set yourself up to leave some plays out that have upside and are outliers like, for the week. If that's going to be the case, why wouldn't you just play EVR for two hundred for $100 cheaper, who's going to be lesser owned and is just a better player? Because I have him rated worse. 
Why do you have him rated worse though? Just the way I do my stuff. I, I've got Mullinex better than him. I got Taylor Moore better than him. I got Burmeester better than him. And then below I've got Brendan Todd, Davis Riley, Scott Stallings. I got a lot of guys better than him, so he won't make the cut either. I find that strange that you would have EVR rated very poorly. I'm going to play EVR. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, it just depends on how, what you, what you do and how you stick to it. For me, again, being a guy that plays mostly large fields, I'm looking for extreme outliers because that's what's going to find the way to the top. And so I, that's how I do it. It doesn't mean it's right. It's just it's a way that's worked for me and usually have pretty good success with it year over year. So I'm going to stick to the same process. Was EVR hurt? I think he was. And was then he, he came back and battled through and got like that sixth place last time out. He, he played at American Express and he was... He might have been bad the one before that and then came out and knocked the, like, knocked the rust off and then he definitely got sixth the last time out. I do he, remember that. He played at Mayakoba at the end of the swing and was like bad. Yeah. He played butter. He played Bermuda in back-to-back weeks in Mayakoba during the swing, 35th and Miscott that didn't play. And he hadn't played since before the Open Championship before that. Came back last week and was sixth. Had some decent runs last year. Actually. Him and Lanto remind me very similar this week because Lanto also did this where he played a Corn Ferry Tour event most didn't follow, but he just knocked the dust off, didn't play well, then came back and played well last week or whatever. So now it's it may be time to hop on, like you said, where you get to a guy like him. But again, then you, you run into the same issue for me. That range is just loaded. So um, uh, I really like Lanto. Maybe he's a better bet than DraftKings play, but I just his odds seem weird for his potential upside. I was just going to say, I like him for what you just said, especially because the the upside that is there with a guy like him. So he, he's fine on both. I was just saying like versus him versus EVR, I actually have more faith in Griffin. Just EVR, to, EVR is, you can bet him at 90 to one to win this tournament. You can bet Nate Lashley at 70 to one. <laughs> I like, I think Lashley is good here. A lot of, hey, I, I've bet Nate Lashley here before. Really let me down. Yeah, really lot, let me down. A lot of people are betting him this week. He, I also bet him at 250 to one, not 70 to one. Yeah, who was uh, someone mentioned that for somebody else the other day? I think it was uh, oh Homa's odds now. Like last year, doing like the the preview preview for the season, I was getting him at the Masters and stuff at 125. Yeah, and saying like obviously he's going to do well at Riv. he goes on to win Riv, and then that that bet looks good, but he does horrible at the majors. And then this year, everyone's running to bet him at. Oh, I, I did too. Yeah, it was 50 to 1, which I get why. It makes perfect sense. He's not only just won this event, but Thir- he's going to play Riv again good and all that th- stuff. 30 to 1 now. He's Oh, it's worse at some place. I think the U.S. Open is down to like 22 or 25. Well, sucks to be betting that now. Yeah, should've, he should have bet, it, <laughs> should've bet it then. Should have bet it then. Yeah, exactly. So I agree with you there. It's just funny that the odds changed so much. You talked about Hoagie last year versus this year. Different golfer and had to win this to get to that point, but that's kind of the point where. And has continued to play. He has played really well this year. Yeah, he's like, fine. To start the season. I mean, that's that's why I think that the, the ownership isn't going to be that much different mm-hmm. from the top three. Just people say, oh, he's played three times this year, had a top five. What was he top five at Tournament of Champions? I think, it, I think it was, yeah. It was a recent one where, again, everyone was wondering, yeah, was, was how does he keep doing this? And he does it again. Yeah, so. and he's fallen off a little bit since. But even to look back at his history here, you have the first, you have the 12th. Like, you saw it coming. And that's usually the case with the winner at this tournament, too, that you do – you see the past results. Because I think that there is something weird about this tournament with the AMs, with the three-course rotation, mm-hmm. that it's just uncomfortable for a lot of people who haven't done it before. I agree 100%. It's definitely a, a pro-am, especially in that sense. I'd almost be more inclined to go after who's a pro-am fit <laughs> than who is that. And I know some of that does tie together the same, but to your point, yeah, it's you know long rounds. You're sitting there. I think Spieth was talking about it. At least we get good food. Like They know they're waiting a long time messing around on these courses, on each hole, much more than what they're used to. So it does change it quite a bit from that sense. And you have like guys, like here are a few guys that have never played in this tournament before. Like Dietrich hasn't played. Ben Griffin hasn't played. I don't know whether that's going to work against them 
this week, but it could. Like, that's that's a viable way of thinking. Yeah, it definitely is. I agree 100%. Even when you said it before, like the Hoagie thing, 60th, 12th, gets the win. Nick Taylor, before he won, had good history. 10th, miscut, 28th, 1st. Yeah, and some, it's not going to say you're going to get better every that's year. That's why we're all betting Merritt. <laughs> but it, it staggers it exactly, and then it could have a chance. Yeah, and that's the thing with Merritt. Like you said, it's 7,200. So, uh, Neesmith, you have 11th, 16th, miscut. Yep. Still pretty good history, although he's been bad to start the year. Uh, EVR actually has never played this venue before. Neither has Bob Shelton. Although he's playing some decent golf at the moment. This is your guy, Bobby Shelton. Yeah, Robbie Shelton. What's his price again this week? Just $7,800. Yeah, he's not making the cut this week either. My boy Riley is right there, same price. Hardy is my other boy right below him. So very. I like Shelton, great golfer, great talent, great upside. But yeah, Riley and Hardy are two guys that I like in this spot. Yeah, Lashley has some good history here. Looking back on it, Scott Piercy has some nice history here. Yeah, he was all right last week too, yeah, wasn't he? The wind can't affect you if you don't believe that it actually exists. Is Scott Piercy the same as Merritt at the same price? Because he's a cut maker as well. He's five of his last six made cuts, 10, 18th, 20th in there in the mix. I Yes and no. I think that they are very similar in the results that they're going to give. One of the reasons that I like Merritt is that when you see like his spikes – I mean, I guess Piercy's kind of the same way when you look at it, although his history goes way... What did he do last week? I, didn't, I think Piercy was playing with Walker last week. Like, weren't they in the same group? So they had to be Piercy? similar. Yeah, I thought he, Scott Piercy was he, playing pretty decent last he, week. He came 31st last week. Okay. Walker beat him, but they, I think they were in the group and Walker finished 13th. He had a better Sunday, of course, Yeah, we, we, we've seen that the approach has been excellent. Uh, he sucked at Sony and sucked on American Express on the greens. Like, mm-hmm. it was all just putting. The, the approach play is back. We've seen him play really hard, well at hard courses. So I guess, yeah, that he would kind of fit the mold of what Merritt does. Like, the reason that I like to pinpoint Merritt here is Merritt has weeks where he's gained over 10 strokes on approach and putting. Mm-hmm. Like, you just, that's such a crazy type of upside that so rarely gets harnessed, but when it does, why he's always almost a better bet than ever a DraftKings play. Yeah. Because you're going to be able to bet him at 100 to 1 or 200 to 1. And he actually has a legit chance to win some of these tournaments if he's playing well. Piercy's weirdly the same way. Like, he has, you know, it's funny because they both won the Barbasol in their career, but over 10 strokes on approach, over nine strokes on approach. You see some of his putting splits. He had 12 strokes gain putting, nine strokes gain putting. He might go the inverse of that and right. be the worst guy in the field, but at least he has that upside at the same time. And Merrick could do that too. So that's kind of the yeah. thing I'm saying. And what I'm seeing is like 10 to 2 for ownership. And that's where people, like we say always, oh, like who cares? 10%, 90% of the field's not playing him. You, you've talked me into Piercy. If you were giving me 5 to 1 right now on Piercy versus Merrick, I'll put, a, I'll put a bunch on that because that's just not right. Those, th- that, those are great odds. And that's kind of how you have to look at that and view it. And so I think. Uh, he's just a you know a joke throwing out is he the same I'm saying when people are look everything everyone's saying about Troy Merritt applies kind of applies to Scott Pierce you could just fill in the blanks and say it's him too and he did play last week and play okay in a you know stronger field at you know probably tougher spots so I I think in general I could go there at 7200 as well good run at this tournament too like not the greatest but he does he fits that uh that narrative trend of he you need a top 10 at this tournament in your career he accomplished that four years ago yeah, he's at 10th, 18th, 20th in the last six years here. So five, six made cuts, I think I saw. So that that's pretty solid. Jimmy Sit. Jimmy Walker once had a string of uh, oh man, it was crazy. Se- back seven then. top 25s in eight years. <laughs> he was really good back then. We're he talking, was. We're talking major winner. Yeah, major Jimmy winner. Walker and yeah. Obviously, he had some stuff personally happen. Things like that's not what you you know. It's unfortunate that changes some things. But he's battling back, and you know that finish last week was strong. T13, I mean, I'll give him faith. He won me a bunch of money last week, so uh, I'll take that from him. But I think, again, it's not someone I'm rushing to go play or bet here, 
but I know uh, I know others are. So you know, if you want to pick up a guy while he's hot, what's his price this week exactly? Seventy two, sixty nine for Walker. Piercy seventy two. Oh, Piercy seventy two. Yeah, yeah, Walker. I, I'm not going back Walker. to Walker. He's sixty nine. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going there. So, but Piercy's in the pool now. Yeah, I, I like good, the Piercy. Good, good SJ. Good sell job on Scott Piercy. Yeah, I like that. Get him in there. Yeah, I mean the range is loaded down there, so you can do whatever you want, but. I do think the 6K range, I talked about it again, I'll say it one more time, is just the pricing in the 6Ks is bad players. And I equate it to, last week what I equated to, Pat, was the U.S. Open when you have amateurs and qualifiers in the 6K range. So while you know the John Roms and the Scotty Schefflers and back in the day it was uh, Brooks Kepka and guys like that priced at the top of the U.S. Open, you'd say, look, I know they're the best play here. I want to play them because they dominate, but what's the rest of my lineup going to look like? I still need the other guys to come through. And that's where some of these balance builds, like last week, three nine Ks, three sevens, not saying that you have to go that way this week, saying that that's why you see some of that stuff work out. The six Ks is hard to pinpoint. The highest scoring $9,000 player at the Sony Open was Mav McNeely at $9,100. And I think he was 15th in drafting scoring. Mm-hmm. He's going to be popular for good reason, because all that applies and he's actually been good here. Mm-hmm. But to look at like the the line, like um, if you had built the optimal lineup for Sony, it was eighty two hundred dollars Siwoo, seventy six hundred dollars Hayden Buckley, seventy four hundred dollars Chris Kirk, seventy one hundred dollars David Lipsky, eight thousand dollars Andrew Putnam, and sixty eight hundred dollars Ben Taylor. Yeah, that's what happens when all of the ten K guys miss the cut. Yeah, the, I mean, like when Rom wins at ten eight or whatever, that's going to change things for that week. But I'm just saying in general, when they're not swapping the pricing to have guys way up there last week they did and that's why that point came up was that if 11-6 rom doesn't get there you're likely to see a balanced build because the 6k range or the low sevens that weren't as good as sort of the 73 to 7800 range you, you just had to make a little bit of a concession to get rom in there and in the end it wasn't needed and didn't work out anyway so it's just the way it goes obviously if rom wins that changes the composition but in general that makes it uh, you know something to keep in mind pricing does matter the setup of your lineups do matter what do you make of sh kim He's actually pretty good. Yeah, he's he's fine too. Another guy, we didn't talk about him, but again, around the green game, I've got him in at 7,600. Interesting play when you consider. Again, if you like him over Kitayama. I do, you know, That's a play you could go there too. You know, if you you like Lanto, so he's right there. But um, Will, Will Gordon is popular. SH is probably half his ownership. So again, a guy that can just find his way around, can make some birdies, good short game. Definitely think he's fine at 7,600. He'll be in the pool. Last question. Webb Simpson. No. I can't do it either. No. Is he just bad now? I don't know, but I don't want to pay to find out. So if he beats me, he beats me at 7,700. That's fine. Can we see something out of him this week, and then maybe we can use him where he loves playing in Phoenix? Hopefully. Because he'll be like $6,700 next week. I, I mean, that's what has been a, happening. It's though. a loaded field next week. By the way, when was this? Last week? We didn't get to talk about this because we didn't do a show, but Ricky and Hideki popped a little bit. It was last week. Yeah. Of course, right before we got waste management coming up. So... Uh, that'll be a conversation next week, but just in general, yeah, Webb Web would fall into that for this week. Who, who else is here? Marty Laird's not here, is he? I no. mean, in fairness, we did. There were flashes, like not upside flashes from Hideki and Fowler, but at least they have like. Time. I wanted us to use Hideki last week for one. We of had them. already used him. I know. Sony. I think we did. That's what I realized. I was yeah, like, it's funny because that's where actually Ben and I landed on. Then we realized that we had used him. Why didn't you land on Homa? We should have used Homa last I week. I just thought he was going to be... No, I'm just kidding. Obviously, he won. I, I just say in general, yeah, I, I like our pick Danny for this week. I don't see much else here to to break down, like the, the guys we talked about. Anything else you want to look at? Fowler's down to 50-1 to 1 next week. It's unfair. Like, the these advanced odds, like, I had bet KH Lee and Davis Riley, or not Davis Riley, yeah, Cameron Davis, 
You are bet. You can bet on waste management for next week. Yeah, DraftKings has had it up for months. Wow. Oh, you know why? Because the uh, the DraftKings setup they've yeah, got. But there. it's not open yet. Technically, yeah, it's going to open soon, though. I think. No, it's not going to. I I don't believe it's going to be open for this because occasionally. No. And Davis are both 80 to 1 right now. We bet them at 130 to 1. Just thinking, like, hey, catch a hot number here. Cage Lee generally plays well in Phoenix. Yep. I just wanted to bet on the talent of Cam Davis, although I, he might be 150 to 1 at this point next week. He's been bad. Yeah, I can agree with that. And the Ricky at 50 is like, whatever. That's a bad number. I'm not doing that. Because no. I went, the first thing I did, as soon as Hideki started playing well, I was like, oh shit, what's his number in Phoenix? I can go, like, bet this right now. 16 to 1. 20, like, I was going to say 22, but yeah. okay, 16. And what was Ricky at the time? 50? Is that when you first saw the 50? No, I think he was 80, and now he's 50. Yeah. I, I'm honestly not even impressed with the 80, so. No. I know people take it and say, but like, he plays so well there and all. Again, same oh, thing. It's the, just like one, the, that one flash or whatever. I know he's showed a little bit more and stuff and all that back to the coach and new caddy and all these factors, but I, I still don't see anything that makes me excited. These odds are bad for yeah. next week. And yeah. they'll, they'll all get adjusted in real time. Like, yeah. Rom is currently plus 550. Shit, Rory's plus 750. Scheffler is 8 to 1. Now, there is a spot if I open it up. If you like Scheffler, let's say. Oh, I like this one. For is, next. It, is it match play? No, no. It's, oh, okay, I mean, go ahead. You, you can do match play too if you want to. What, what have they got for his odds at match play while you're there? Well, uh, do they have match play on DraftKings? I don't think so, but some sites have to win PGA Tour events. Well, see, that, see, there's some sites that are open 365 days a year that if you go under specials, That's where uh, you can see to win a PGA Tour event. It's I talked about this earlier or last week because Paul made the bet and I didn't, was if I gave you Hoagie right now, 28 to 1, would you bet it? Knowing that he's going to be 20 to 1 or worse uh, by the time the odds open. Would have been good, good to pick up on earlier on some of those. I mean, that's just what they were. Because it was there. Yeah, no, no, you're right. And then they obviously take it away and adjust it in real so, time. So you can have Scheffler 14 to 1 next week, Scheffler 16 to 1 to win API, or Scheffler 18 to 1 to win match play. Yeah, 18 to 1 to win match play. I can't find it now for some reason. But that's, yeah. Oh, that's there still. Yeah, I already bet it. That, that's the one that I like. It's just what he does. And it's already, it's not going to, like, it's not like it's going to get worse. So I like that one. The other one, what about um, Max at Wells Fargo? 33, 33 to 1. I looked at that too. Because how does that? I mean, he's 28 at the U.S. Open or 25 in some places at the U.S. Open. And it's funny because his win at the Wells Fargo was at a different course than this one was, although he had previously won at Quail Hollow too, yeah. which is just really strange. <laughs> or you can run back John Rahm at the Mexico Open. Plus 250. Plus 250. <laughs> you want to do that one. Parlay everything with it. But that was a struggle for him to get that win, by the way. I had, so I'm not, I, I had Kitayama. I was like, all right, here we go. That was very like, No, close. no thanks. I don't, I don't see many others here that jump out to me. Like, again, Willie Z next year at the FedEx is 20. Oh, you, He's not. You don't want to bet Tony Finau 10 to 1 at the 3M? And there's no guarantee that these guys are even playing in these tournaments. Yeah, you could. The other one, though, I'm being serious with the Max Home at 33. It seems like a decent number. I'm not jumping to do it because it's only 33. But KH Lee, Byron King, 40. Is that going to be the same? I don't. Well, that's the week before the PGA Championship, I think. I believe Guy, so. Guys tend to play in that tour. Like, that was a strong field last year. So he might just be 40 to 1 anyway or worse. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Same with, uh, what isn't, is Heritage the week before or after? After. After the Masters. But it's an elevated event this year. So everyone's playing. I am so, I don't know what I'm more surprised at, like with Rory's situation where he decided, he, he vouched for these events, skipped the first one, fine. Who knows what he had on the go personally, but I'm saying he skips that. The rule is technically that you can only skip one. So now Rory's in the waste management. Yeah. That's awesome. And no, he is, I'm saying, but like yeah. that, that's, that's cool. But now like Rory, the week after the Masters, 
jumps over to play the RBC Heritage. Everyone's playing the RBC. They all are. Yeah. I know. It's just funny to think about, though. Like, it just seems... And I'm not... I'm, I am slightly putting Roy on a pedestal, as he probably should be, but saying in that, like, imagine he gets crushed the last hole or something at the Masters again, going, you know, for the green jacket, and then has to go play the RBC Heritage the next week. Just zero chance. Could, I, I could play him there after that. I don't know if I like him at the Heritage anyway. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't anyway. I'm just saying it's just funny when you think about it. It's going to be very interesting for these shows and for doing content and just building lineups out and playing DraftKings, betting, all that stuff when we get to these events that we're not used to this quality of field at these courses. It's starting next week? Yeah. Um, yeah. Isn't, it's usually a good field, but it's a super field next week. Like, that's true. Just even to look down the odds list for... Did I, did I close you can it? pull it. Yeah. Some, someone posted the field. Like, obviously, it's going to be insane. It's an elevated event. Uh, there we are. Waste but man- it's exciting. Waste too. management. Like, to look at... I mean, they have Burger in the field right now. I don't know if that's happening. But to look down at, like, who the 30th best player in the field is, like Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah. It's a really good field. That I mean, you threw me off with the Burger thing. That That's on DraftKings they have him? Yeah. I highly doubt he's committed. I, I, I mean, he's it. probably committed, but he's not playing. Maybe, uh, maybe he didn't even commit. You don't want to. You don't want to bet Daniel Berger twenty-five to one next week. <laughs> I don't want to bet him anything. I might, I might bet him twenty-five to one if you give me those odds that he goes to live. Feels like it. Maybe he know. should go to live. Although probably he, should. He's actually he, like injured he, and stuff he all probably, the time. He probably, he probably can't commit to playing that many tournaments. <laughs> that that is a lot, actually. Yeah. What? Uh, how do you? I forget how you find the list of the. The guys that committed, but it's not here nor there. Like you I, have to, I think you have to search like waste management open. Go to their website because the official list. You can have the commitments all you want. The official list isn't announced till Friday afternoon. That's true. Yeah, we saw some more come in yesterday and stuff, and people were looking at how um, Rom wasn't on the list yet, he's but on, on his website on he list. was. He's literally ASU guy. Like he's gonna be there. So uh, yeah, we'll look at it after. I just think that was another interesting point. But I'm excited that they're starting next week. I said that at the start of the season. That's one thing I'm most excited for this season on the PGA Tour is the elevated events or the designated events, if you will, because we get some of these courses that we like and we're into golf and we we just love the setup of it all. But now you get the best fields on these and it is going to change the dynamic a little bit for everything and make it that much more exciting to watch at some of our favorite spots i think we're gonna get a millie maker for next week no because super bowl is going on that especially but just in but your if, like, if there's ever a tournament to hype that people get excited we for, might get the 20 dollar is 300k to first instead of 200 with a worse structure overall and just a bigger top prize but i, I don't think it's going to get designated or elevated to anything much more than that we'll wait and see i know um, February 16th, though, which I think is the Genesis week, is the Mega Millie, because I also want a ticket to that. It's a 44-44, and they held it there last year. It was like a $2,500 one because I did well there. I had the highest non-Neiman lineup, right. but I got ninth there with like a ROM lineup or something, and it was uh, very close, but Neiman ended up getting the job done and cost me. But it's a good one to be back to, and that that's always a fun event anyway, and again, it's just going to be that much better all around. So. Morikawa was winning this year. Is that what you got? Yeah. Okay. Morikawa, sneaky good these first couple of events. Yeah, yeah but it's, fu- it's funny because the narrative is that he's been bad yeah. because he's been in the mix both times and didn't win. But I think he has a second and a third to start the year. Yeah. <laughs> against two good fields. And some really bad golf at times. Mistakes made, yeah. at least, I should say. where that And same with Rom. Last week, again, I know this could be a little bit of burnout after your last two wins and three in your last four, including worldwide. But looking at him, those chips that he did, those two chips back-to-back, you never see that out of the Rom. He still finished T7. Horrible Sunday, plus four on Sunday. And still finishes T7. It's just dominant right now. With him him and Roy are doing Roy getting the win last week, of course. Made the clutch putt. Crazy. Coming in. Crazy nice putt, too. Yeah. 
I kind of wanted to see Reed win. I wanted to see the playoff. I, I don't <laughs> care about the rest. I like woke up when it was over, like an hour after it ended, and I was like, damn. But Twitter was blowing up because all the overseas guys and betters and things like that that were following it to a T to the last second. I was like, damn, I wish I had woke up and watched that, and I wish it had went to the playoff. That would have just been crazy. Hovland, Finau, JT, and Morikawa are all the same odds next week. Seems strange. Well, we've been getting that too. It's a story for another day, but you know how the odds have gone on us a little bit. I know Feinberg's talked about it some too and is dead on with it. Like the, they're not giving us more or less if something they're happens. They're just giving us just, less. <laughs> yeah, it is less technically. You're right. But it's, it's like we don't get a bump or, or a deduction. We just get th- this guy goes to this. The rest all stay evened out and less. Yeah, like Hideki like, goes from 25 to 16, yet the rest of the board doesn't move. Right. Yeah. Until, we the week, until the week of, then it will readjust like the majors do now. Yeah. All right. Tambo, follow him on Twitter, at Toe and Tambo. You can check out his tidbits in my newsletter and on Twitter, I suppose. Mm-hmm. That will come out later on Wednesday evening with some write-ups, some stats, all the links that you need. If you didn't watch Cuss Corner this week, you should watch it. I did watch it last night. Did I had you? to. Two hours, I put it on 2X and jumped through it. I fell asleep for the last half hour. Oh, so no. Gotta, it was that it, which part? is like I think that's the Dreamhouse part. Oh, you got to watch it. Which I'm going back to as soon as we get out of here, but I didn't get a chance, but it was awesome going through it. Just oh, always the best show, and people were loving it out of the gates. I think it already had like a million people listen to it going into to last night when I turned it on, it felt like. so. It's... You already had when you were already getting people commenting on Twitter to you about this stuff, like a half hour after you drop it, you know it's just a monumental show, and they're all good, but that's one for sure to check out. Paul said it the moment we... It's funny because... I said it to him. Paul said it to him. It was like, that was like the best cuss corner a really long time. He's like, really? Why, why would you think that? Yeah. Like, when he really believes in something, he doesn't think it's crazy. Yeah. The only uh, takeaway I had, Pat, I had to call you out, but was the Peyton with an E. I changed that. You fixed it? Yeah. Okay. I was saying, geez. And I saw it the first time, thought maybe a mistake. And then I saw it again. I was like, oh. I know. But Sean Payton, P-A-Y. I know. It's been, it's been a while since Payton, Sean Payton's been around. <laughs> it's true. I'm always just He's not Payton. the Payton you're ever thinking of. I'm, just, I'm always sure. thinking Payton Manning. Yes, exactly. Ah, gotcha. some, sometimes there are typos. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Run Pure this week? Run Pure Sports. You said it. You will have the premium shows up this week, runpuresports.com. You can use Tambo15 to get 15% off. But the main thing, the free shows on Mayo Media Network this spot, Thursday night, round two, myself and Hoop. Friday night, myself and Locks going through the round three. And then Saturday night, we're doing it free this year on the Run Pure Sports YouTube channel. So you just flip over from Mayo's Network after the first two days, get the free show on Saturday with Snyder and with Kurt. All right. Follow me at the PME. Play in the DraftKings Listeners League. Smash a like to the episode. Check out all the football shows that are going to be coming out. Plus, Dogger Pass Podcast is back this evening for the UFC event that's in Vegas, but it's supposed to be in Asia. So it starts at, like the world's weirdest time. Anyway. Make some bets. Wake up. Maybe you'll win. Who knows? So sub to the channel to make sure that you get that as well. Thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo, and I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience.